0: Lights, you are listening to Marvel's fullest for new Marvel comics on sale
1: July fifth, twenty twenty three. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M, and I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for Mythos.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're gonna talk about Mythos a little bit later. Fun, fun boy. But this is a big gem packed episode. We've got some fun stuff ahead, and really. Solid as heck week of comics, because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we tell you all about the comics out every week. We're going to tell you about our picks of the week. Then we'll tell you about all the other comics and give out some awards named after a line, a quote from one of this week's comics. We'll talk about all that later. Uh, We'll give you a little info on collections, on Infinity Comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some more books on Marvel Unlimited. And on top of that, we've got a guest this week for our reading club.
1: Yes, we're going to be talking to author Sherilyn Eaton, who's written a couple different stories for us. One uh, over in Marvel's Voices, Infinity Comic, issue number 26. It's an amazing Black Panther story. Be sure to check that out. We're going to be talking to Sherilyn Eaton about Marvel Zombies Resurrections. You might be wondering, Marvel Zombies? It's July. Why are we talking about zombies? I'm going to say, it's always time for zombies. I mean,
0: honestly, yeah, always time for zombies. Can you imagine trying to run from and fight zombies while you're sweaty and gross and upset and like, ugh. Attract zombies more? They're like, mmm. Zombies can smell your musk. Ew. Ugh. The sweat. Ew. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's get into our picks of the week, starting with Captain America number 750. Uh, This is a big one. It has got two crucial stories told by the Captain's America writers and artists uh, that we've been following in Cinto of Liberty and Symbol of Truth. But then we also get a bunch of extra stories. So we've got two stories up top, one by Tochi Anibuchi and R.B. Silva and Isus Arbutav and Joe Caramagna. Then you've got Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, Carmen Carnero and Nolan Woodard telling uh, the other story. So that's a Sam story and a Steve story. The Sam story is a really sweet, kind of sad story focusing on Sam and his shield, because he has a different shield than Steve does. And we're getting the story and the origin about the the shield and how Misty Knight is really involved with all of that. But uh, one of the main things I like about this is being able to see strong men being vulnerable. Um, We ain't got no room for toxic masculinity. We need to know that our our men feel things, that uh, they cry, that they deal with things, that they have emotions. And Sam is big emotions in here in all the best ways. Uh, And Misty, truly like the best of us. Then over in the Steve story by uh, Jackson, Colin, Carmen, there we get to see Roger Aubrey's funeral. Uh, it, this is a fallout from everything that was going on with Sentinel of Liberty. Roger Aubrey, a.k.a. The Destroyer, just had a huge heroic sacrifice. And this is a gut punch in a lot of ways. Uh, Steve brings a bunch of his friends together. Then you get like a bunch of characters who are important to Roger in his life across many decades. And and. There's this double page spread where you get inside the church and it is absolutely gorgeous. It is somber, but when you start to look at it, there are so many stories going on in here. It's like if you look at like an Alex Ross double page painting or like something really big, I think of like Marvels or something where he's layered in lots of like interactions and and emotions and different things that You know, if you go past it really quickly, okay, cool. It's a bunch of people hanging out. But when you look at this, you see Aaron Fisher sitting next to Ariel Agbayani. And then you see Sharon Carter and conversing there. And you see, you know, various members of Steve's like close friend group from his, uh, from his house and radio company, radio, radio company. Yeah. And then like some of the, the older world war II era heroes here. That was my favorite. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. There's a, a wonderful 12 panel page where various characters, we get snippets of their eulogies for Roger. And it's funny. It's sad. It's sweet. It is. Uh, it gives little glimpses into what this character meant to so many people. Um, and then you get Sharon Carter coming in and giving a little bit more and how she only knew Roger for a week, but what that week meant to her. And then you get this you know, big bomb, bomb, bomb splash page of her sort of like celebrating him and taking on the destroyer name from him. Oh, and then we get Steve's eulogy, and it's him reading this poem, and I just. I was like, oh, God, and that that could have been it, right? Like that, like if they like locked it up there, i had been like, well, that was a terrific story. I feel many things. Then boom, you go and you get the redacted and Steve having a conversation and like this big character moment for the redacted and a new direction, a new name for that character, which is in and of itself. So great. You get a beautiful moment with Peggy Carter. You know, there's all this stuff. And then you wrap it all up with Bucky and Cap. And them having this hash out heart to heart. And like it is rough. And it is like two men who are as close as as people can be. And Steve like cuts to it, and he just he's he there's this line is because you left me. And then it still launches us into. What's coming up next, the Captain America finale, which is the big wrap up of the Outer Circle story. There is a lot in here. If you are a Bucky fan, a Cap, uh, Steve fan, so much more. And then you'd be like, I am emotionally drained. That is a beautiful issue. Glad it's I, I have that and it's done. And then you go, oh, wait, there's still one, two, three, four, five more stories in this issue. You get Stephanie Williams and Rachel Stott telling a story about Sam's feelings, about who he is, where he belongs, what he's worth. Uh, you get a uh, J.M. Demetrius story with Sarah pacelli like, come on, uh, it's it's about Arnie Roth, which is a super special story. Who were we just talking to? We were talking about Arnie Roth. Was that with um, Josh Trujillo? Yeah, it was with Josh. Yeah, and like that was like unconnected Perfect to this. Timing. Perfect yeah. <laughs> timing, yeah. Oh, Perfect timing. This story, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Then you get Dan Jurgens coming in here doing a story about Steve and Jarvis and like Dan doing the writing and the drawing. It's so good. Then you get our pal, Cody Ziggler, with Marcus Williams doing uh, another story about Cap and Steve just being best friends. And it's being bros. Just being bros and being super, super awesome. Uh, and then the it wraps it up with a Gail Simone, Daniel Cunha story. I just want to say, welcome to Brooklyn.
1: It's so gorgeous, too. Like that whole story was, I want a whole book of that.
0: Right? Like this whole book is banger after banger after banger. It is a wonderful way to sort of wrap up these last two years of, of Captain's America titles and where we're going. We know we have a big new number one coming up soon, uh, and and Sam is in the Avengers, and Steve is going to have some new adventures. This is this rules. This rules really, really hard.
1: Agreed. All right, next up is Fantastic Four, issue number nine. It is written by Ryan North, with art by Ivan Fiorelli. We have colors by Jesus Arbatov and letters by V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. This issue does all of my favorite things that, like, you can find in a single comic. Like, it it references very old, like, just deep-cut characters. Like, we're talking about Zargor, who is, like, a deep-cut that goes all the way back to, like, Tales to Astonish issue number 23, which is wild. Um, but to be able to, like, connect that to a more current story where the... Creators play with the format here. Like it opens up with this monologue by Alicia Masters. She talks about this story, this moment in history during like July of 1945, when uh, the newspaper delivery service was on strike in New York City, and so the mayor at the time went on the radio and literally read the funny pages uh, to ensure that the city's kids could, like you know, still enjoy their comics, and so like she talks about how like you know the mayor did voices and would describe the scenes and it was Mm -hmm. not only was it like a like a political move like obviously he was just trying to earn some brownie points but at the same time like it was one of the first times that like comics became accessible to kids who were blind um and she talks about how like ben Grimm reads her comics like she enjoys comic books and like the thing i like about the conversation isn't necessarily like oh I, i i'm blind and i can read comics it's there's a connection there. It's like, you know, Ben Grimm knows the stuff that I find interesting. He knows the things that I like. Um, so he knows what to spend time describing. It's not necessarily describing every single thing or, like, what the characters look like. And she talks about how the characters don't really, like, what the characters really look like doesn't matter to the story as long as the story's good. And it's just such a fascinating conversation and, like a, like, a fascinating, like... Like for someone, especially like me, who isn't blind, like, you know, as someone who enjoys comics a lot, but also works in radio and like has to constantly think about translating the medium over to audio. You know, like comic books are a visual media, but like at the same time, people often say that radio is also a visual media because it's you're encouraged to like really, really explain what's going on, really be descriptive with your words. So like this comic book just like spoke to my core, but then like the book, it's even crazier because there's one page that is laid out in the perspective of Alicia Masters. All the panels are black, like they're just blacked out. And you have her description. She's describing to Sue how to do this thing with her powers, how to mold her invisible like projections. And it is so like, I don't know, like Ryan, you know that scene in, have you ever watched Reservoir Dogs? Mm -hmm. You know, the scene where the camera pans away and the two agents are essentially cutting an ear off of, like, mm. the the guy that they have tied up to the chair. But you don't get to see what's happening. Yeah. You only hear his reaction. It's like that, where it's like your imagination just kind of paints the picture. And then when you flip the page and you actually see what's going on, like, my jaw dropped. Like, I was like, mm. whoa, that is not what I was expecting. But this is incredible. Like, yeah. I was drooling over those pages. Alicia Masters is the main protagonist in mm. this story. And, like... I can't recall the last time I got an issue where Alicia Masters is at the center of all the action and like fighting and calling the shots. And it was just wonderful. Like She's one of the biggest Fantastic Four characters next to the main four. But there's this one line in here where like she talks about Zargor and how she'll never be able to forgive Zargor. For forcing her to see her husband as the one thing she's never seen him as and that's a monster. And so she's like, genuinely scared. She's like, I've never been scared of him before in my life. And I hate this. And it's a it's a gut punch of an issue. But it is gorgeous. Like this is I I can't get enough (laughs) of this issue. It's just
0: a beautiful story. It truly is. Uh, but speaking of gorgeous gut punches, our third pick of the week is X-Men number 24, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Frank Martin, lettering by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, I-, I will be honest, we were going back and forth about choosing X-Men or X-Men Before the Fall, and we decided on X-Men because both are great, but I, there's
1: just... We kept- Let's be real. Let's yes. be real. One features Pog or Pog, and the other one does it.
0: I mean... This is true. Pog or Pog, the breakout character of like five issues previously. (laughs) So, so good. Uh, Pog is in here. This is going to like get you set up for the Hellfire Gala for the fall of X. But like, I don't know that any of us are really ready for what's to come. That said, we've got baby cable showing up in here. Uh, we got Moira X, we've got Nimrod, we've got Omega Sentinel, we've got Pog or Pog, as we mentioned, we've got a huge cast of X-Men. We've got this not quite opening scene, but a, a, an early scene in the book between Rogue and Destiny. Destiny is basically like, I am trying to save you and me and Mystique. She's like, that's all I care about. Everything else is about to burn. And there's like some talk about, um, some manifold and what needs to be done. And rogue, there's this great panel that Josh draws of rogue looking at destiny. Like the way, (laughs) the way a child looks at a parent being like, what are you? I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, it's got that those beautiful, like expression on her face. And she literally says, ma, I don't know what any of that means.
1: Okay. But like when you read that, mm-hmm. I was just like, I like I've never been more frustrated with a comic book panel. Like I was like, <laughs> what does this mean? Like I'm, tr- I'm over here like trying to decide. Even being on the inside, I'm trying to decipher you know what these things are, and I'm like, none of this makes sense. I know, I'm very
0: confused. I know specifically what two of the lines that destiny speaks, um, uh, and then there's others where I'm a little hazy on. But like this is a pet the, the destiny panel that we're talking about. X Twitter and X fandom oh, yeah. we'll be pulling this out and like putting this on their their um their like boards and looking at and and like pinning things Connecting to it the red
1: string and yeah. exactly
0: because it's all there um that said then we we shift over to pog or pog who's uh, attacking a space casino so we get big space x-men action where they were just going to like hang out but, they just wanted, like, a bunch of X-Men just wanted to go and have some fun for, like, two hours. That's it. They just wanted to have a good time. And they, of course, run into some chaos and in, in the form of Pogger Pog, who is this giant reptile armored creature thing. But, like, when you get into this, you you will see what exactly Pogger Pog is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Also, Pog speaks in a rhyming cadence and jerry just leans into it it is very over the top it is very fun like that's one of the things i love about this era and this book and and everything going on you can have big silly over the top fun x men stories with action and adventure and big team just like fighting this weird monster guy but also harrowing upsetting portents of of everything to come it's like you've got days of future past happening all around us, like thematically, while also getting the softball games. I'm here for it. Oh, I love it so much. I love everything going on here. Uh, big resolutions with that. There's this giant conversation between Gene and Scott in this issue. I know you were you were talking about that one.
1: It's like two pages, and yeah. those two pages are worth the price of admission because yeah. it is the catalyst for so much that's to come. And at the same time, like... Like, you know how, like, I'm assuming this is what sports people do when, like, their teams have just been, like, down for, like, years, and they're like, you know what? This is the year, and their team's just on a high, and they're like, time to bust out the old lucky jersey. I already see people, like, ironing their Cyclops was right (laughs) t-shirts, like, getting them ready to go, and I'm like, no, I'm Team Gene.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. There's, <laughs> there's really fun stuff in here with Forge. Um, there's uh, a great moment with Magic and Sunfire. And then the last page of the book, and I was just like, wait, what? Which is a, a little tease that people are going to have to then go in with their Marvel Unlimited subscriptions and read X-Men Unlimited to see what the hell is going on with Sunfire. Y'all, the Hellfire Gala is three weeks away. <sighs> That's it. I, I, I'm i not going to say anything more.
1: All right. That's it for our picks of the week. But we need to move on to all our fabulous fresh floppies hitting shelves at your local comic shops tomorrow, today, depending on when you're listening. But before we do that, we need to talk about the award name from last week. Last week, we gave out the – this is a team book now award. Um, and it was in Deadpool issue number eight. Even if people weren't reading it, like
0: Karis Pollard and Max Loram, they didn't read their books in time, but they were like, this gotta be
1: in Deadpool. Well, Max Loram was like, <laughs> you know, you cannot have a Deadpool quote every time there's a new issue. You should have a quota. And I'm like, no. You're not wrong, but
0: no. <laughs> no. We say if we choose Deadpool, it's because Deadpool is so freaking good, and maybe you should all be reading Deadpool. Of course, we do have some winners. Uh, we have. I'm going to give it to two. Actually, Paul Warren came in because reads his comics at like three in the morning. But like sometimes I want to give the award to everybody else, to other people who don't have the chance to read that flipping early. Yeah, I'm looking at the email came in very, uh, very early, which is fine. Paul, you're going to get. Award, but also I'm going to give it to John Schubert, who came in and said, I'm probably too late, but thought I'd give it a try. I love how much you both love this book and your interview with Alyssa only made me love it more. Love the pod. Thank you both. Thank you, John. Deadpool is freaking great. All right, let's get into it. Jasmine, what is this week's award name?
1: All right. This week's award name is the time to do a nomectomy award. (laughs) Time to do a nomectomy.
0: If you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to add Agent M and at Jazmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're the first, I'll reach out to you to get a recent digital comic of your choice. Please mark your messages as OK to read Pull lists so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please give us their name and location so we can give them a shout out.
1: Yes, but if you're not the first to find the quote, we've got another way for you to win. We've teamed up with Marvel Insider to score some Marvel Insider points just for listening to the podcast. After you listen to the show, make sure to go to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel's Pull List Quote of the Week activity. There you'll be asked to identify the correct quote of the week from four different choices. Uh, choose correctly and you'll earn those 500 Marvel insider points.
0: All righty. Again, that quote of the week is time to do a nomectomy and let us give that award out, starting with Captain Marvel Dark Tempest number one. There's two baddies in this issue. I don't want to spoil anything, but one of them is pretty closely tied to the Marvel legacy, uh, the Marvel legacy, the Captain Marvel name. Um, but if you don't know the character, it's not immediately apparent. So I won't spoil anything when you get there. But their banter between them is really fun. So I'm giving my time to do a nomectomy award to Anasenti writer for just having a lot of fun with this issue.
1: I was pretty pumped. Also, like, can I just say, like, what a time to be alive. We have two Anasenti books coming out today. Woo. Like this week. We like, did what? it. What? That's awesome. you, yeah. And they're good. All right and they're good yeah next up it's clobbering time issue number five and i'm gonna go ahead and give my i'm gonna split it in half i'm gonna split my time to do a nomectomy award one half is going to go to the fact that he says a thing Mm -hmm. and in a giant like you know fashion like it was perfect yeah the other is the fact that dr doom the entire time like he gets his his mask knocked off and the entire time that he has it off it's censored, and it is the funniest gag I've seen in a comic. Like, it was so good.
0: Could have been one of my picks of the week, as could have Daredevil number 13. There are uh, uh, so much. This is the penultimate issue. There's this splash where there's a quote. I, I think I'm going to give it to this. Ah, I want to give it to so many things in this book. The time to do a nomectomy award can go to so many moments like this big splash page and the, uh, the line, it was a good life. The melding of the captions and the art in that splash. I'm not going to give anything more away, but I was just like, oh, and the power of love in here and the beast and and the revelations and Matt using the his scream of sticks as like a cross to fight the the
1: way he draws them out. Oh, yeah. Where he draws them from ever.
0: God is so good.
1: Beautiful. Yes, quite beautiful. All right, next up is Doctor Strange, issue number five. And I just got to say, this issue is absolutely stunning. It is a wedding issue. And, uh, Ryan, I told you that I've been reading, you know, The Ultimate Universe, like, chronologically. Uh, Currently working my way through Ultimate Iron Man 2, Mm -hmm. which is, let me tell you, if you want to just read a really, really, really weird take on (laughs) Iron Man, definitely read those books because they are wonderfully weird. Uh, But pascal fairies in like he he does ultimate iron man 2 and it's just been like really cool to read these two side by side because mm-hmm. you can see the evolution and like how he's like i love to see when an artist can like find their like almost like their voice right and that's what this issue was like for me like i've been reading some of this old stuff but then reading this was just like icing on the cake where i'm like whoa like you've just grown and evolved and like you're just doing some of the best work of your lifetime right now and it's Absolutely stunning. So for that, I'm going to go ahead and give Pasquale my time to do a nomectomy award.
0: Yeah. Also, I want Jed writing Dormammu more often. Dormamu is the wedding officiant. And like some stuff goes down. And he's like, ha ha, lol, you guys suck. Bye. Hope you die. Well, when
1: he... When he's like officiating,
0: he's just like, do you, Yeah, you piece of trash, take that piece of tr- it's so much fun. God, <laughs> that book rules could have been one of my picks of the week as could have edge of Spider-Verse number four, edge of Spider-Verse number four gives us a tie-in to deadly neighborhood Spider-Man, which is getting a new print version soon. And then a follow-up series soon. So you maybe want to check this out. We've also got just, just seeing Juan draw cool stuff it makes me so happy um i i will say a uh th- there's a really great story in here by my very dear friend alex segura writing about aranya which is so good i i was hoping you 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 dug it
1: two of my favorite spiders are you kidding me yeah. like it starts in mc2 and it was just really cool to see that spider girl interact with her dad yeah and like see him just kind of like that Peter Parker just kind of being like an old man, just being like, hey, Mayday, how's it going? Yeah. And helping out Aranya And like, like, I want more of them. I love both of those girls. And like, give, give me a, a team up book with just them.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you want more Aranya, then there's Alex's novel that just came out this uh, last couple of months. But I'm going to give my time to do a nomectomy Award to the story. By friggin' Daniel Kibblesmith and Chris Cross, <laughs> that gives us a new spider hero named Headline. I immediately started texting Daniel and being like, Holy bleep, bleep, bleep. I love this character. I love, I want more of this, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and also, Chris Cross crushing it. There's a panel of shocker in here who he's never, like, literally never looked cooler. Seeing him here, I was like, Where is my regular Chris Cross fix in Marvel Comics? It's really good journalism, Spidey. Be here for it; it rules.
1: All right. Next up is Extreme Venomverse issue number four. Uh, there's three stories in here. All of them are <laughs> creepy but delightful. The first one is a Peach Momoko story oh, and man. chilling, absolutely chilling. And then there's a story by DJ Brian, Alvaro Lopez, and like there's a it's an it's a pretty interesting take on a Venom character. It's it's Venom Noir and. I want to watch this horror movie because it is so well done. It is so smart and so just like, it's a noir type story, obviously, but it's the way that it's told and the way that it's like, I mean, like the twist shocked me, but it made sense. And it was very clever and very clean and like just well executed. Uh, But you get a priest who finds the venom symbiote. And uh, decides to cleanse people of their sins. So that's all I'm going to tell you because it is wild. And then the last story is easily my favorite story of this entire uh, Venomverse run. Yeah. It is a story so by good. Alyssa Wong and Ken Demura. Like, please go back and listen to our reading club with Ken Demura that he did on uh, Penny Parker, which was on the uh, Spider-Verse Unlimited uh, Infinity comic and like I've always been a fan of his art and it's been like a minute since we've gotten anything new from him and I just adored seeing this these two work together and tell just like this absolutely bonkers story But it is essentially a story of a teenage girl who acquires a venom symbiote but the symbiote is a hair tie like a hair mm-hmm. ribbon and When she transforms into their symbiote one it looks absolutely crazy but two it's very much like a like a sailor moon ask like magical girl princess like type transformation that's what it is it, it is and she even has like a little like mantra like i was i, I literally the music that plays when sailor moon transforms yeah. was playing in my head yeah. while like this was happening and like ken Nomura just captures that energy so well and it is beautiful. It is perfect. Uh, the story also has like the most appropriate title. It is Sparkle and Shine. So yeah, please, please, please. I need more of this.
0: So good. Um, yes, uh, we want to quickly mention Marvel Zero Number One, which is a uh, compendium of our free comic book day stuff from this year, together in one package, but with additional bonus materials like. Designs and art in various stages, so um, we're not going to go through that again. You can listen to our free comic book day special if you want to hear about what's in this. But like, if you missed them and you know you didn't read them on Marvel Unlimited, get them here. It's a great way. Uh, then we've got Spider-Man number ten. This is a a big one for Spider Boy fans, like Spider Boy having a moment. Um, but really, we're getting more and more. Uh, with Spider Boy and what's going on. You get classic Spidey versus Electro, but Spider Boy thrown into the mix. But I'm gonna give my Time to Do a Nomectomy Award to writer Dan Slott. You can clearly tell Dan is having fun.
1: All right, next up is Star Wars issue number 36. And in this issue, we see the Rebels essentially going on a mission to Coruscant, which is awesome because I love seeing Coruscant during the Empire because it is completely different than the prequels. (laughs) But also, I love Coruscant just because Coruscant has like so much to it. But the mission requires uh, both Lando and Chewbacca to drive the Millennium Falcon deep into the core of Coruscant. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and give my time to do a nomectomy award to charles Soule because he managed to sneak in a level thirteen thirteen <laughs> easter egg
0: <laughs> oh man so so good uh a great issue also it tells a story of why nia nub is driving the millennium falcon in return of the jedi
1: real mvp here
0: oh truest mvp love me some yim yim. uh on to star wars yoda number nine um i just i'm gonna give my time to do a nomectomy award to yoda always teaching always having great little lines like inconvenient this is
1: <laughs> all right next up is thor annual issue number one and if you remember at the top of this episode. The M stands for Mythos because Mythos is revealed in this issue. If you're wondering who Mythos is, let's just say, I'll give you a hint. Mythos is actually an acronym um, and it involves the Rainbow Bridge.
0: Jackson and Colin, thank you. Mythos is so good. I could have picked this because it is a gorgeous issue and doing good stuff for a character I'm quite fond of is always appreciated.
1: I also want to highlight the fact that there is a prolog at the end of this issue for Immortal Thor
0: mm-hmm. that
1: got me so pumped for this book. Hell yeah. Uh
0: on to Venom number 22. Uh I got to give a big LOL uh uh love it to Josh Cassara's Dylan Brock Hellfire Gala waitlist variant. I didn't even that know we good. had waitlist variants. Yeah. I I laugh so hard. It's so good. Um I am going to give my time to do an omectomy to Flexo. I just, I love Flexo so much and we get, we don't even have much to go off of, but there's this like beautiful double page spread of Flexo post a battle during World War II. And you're just like so sad, but so cute at the same time, what Flexo goes through and what, it, oh, it's a lot of fun, but also big stakes and like danger and menace. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Next up is Venom Lethal Protector 2, issue number five. And Hasbro, if you're listening, mm-hmm. there is... Yeah. A character in this book that gets a massive makeover that involves a venom symbiote, and um, if it's not a build a figure in the next year or two, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm available for consultation, but that character, who I'm not going to say out loud because I don't want spoilers, is going to absolutely get my time to do a nomectomy award. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: To X23 Deadly Regenesis number five, wrapping up this limited series. Uh, there's a great panel of Laura punching Kimura here, and it's just like wham! And it's like the middle of with the face, like being punched out to the side. It's really, really something special. Uh, I will give my time to do a nomectomy to Haymaker who, uh, this has been a great Laura series, but Haymaker is a new character introduced into this, and I hope we get to see more of Haymaker. I know this is set in the past, so what happens to them over those years? Who knows? But someone can tell that story. I want to read it.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it. All right, last but not least is X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister 4, issue number one. This is another just dense chapter into the like you know that leads us to the before the fall obviously but also just like gives us a lot of context for a lot of these massive players this is a, a chapter where we get both dr stasis and uh mother righteous on a date uh of all things but they're also kind of like talking and playing this like almost like 3d chess with each other trying to get information from each other but also learning about each other from throughout the years right like they only recently learned that all of them exist uh or at least that's what we were led to believe we don't know yet but I want to go ahead and give my time to do a nomectomy award to this I don't know if I want to call it a double page spread because there are panels but there is this double page like layout uh where we get two timelines where each each one of the characters asks the other like what they have been up to these years and what we see is Dr. Stace is kind of at all these massive like Moments in Marvel history that revolve around science, right? Because like that's his mo. And on the other side, we see all these Mother Righteous uh, moments that involve massive magic moments, because that's her mo. And on Doctor Stasis' side, we see like you know Steve Rogers getting like injected with the Super Soldier Serum. We see the gamma ray blast that gives Bruce Banner his powers. Um, and then on Mother Righteous' side, we see her nannying Scarlet Witch's twins. We see her holding and writing in the dark hold. We see all these, like, like, I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot of, like, things to chew on here. And I just found that fascinating. Like, I love to see when our, we can go back and tell these stories and be like, oh, yeah, actually, this character was here. And I'm like, I want, I want those books. I want to know what they did and how they were involved. But maybe we're, we're going to find out soon.
0: This issue, this story, this era... Anyway, over on Marvel Unlimited with our Infinity Comics, there's new issues of X-Men Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited, Edge of Venomverse Unlimited, Marvel's Voices, Runaway's Infinity Comic, Blade First Bite, Love Unlimited, Captain Marvel and War Machine, Lil Rocket. But then, most importantly, one of the biggest releases of 2023, a brand new brute force comic written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti with art by Jeffo. I have not read it yet. I am very excited for it. This is very special to me.
1: All right, that is it for all the new releases this week. Uh, But we are going to be talking to Sherilyn Eaton about Marvel Zombies right now. (laughs)
0: All right, Jasmine. Are you ready to talk about the undead with our guest this week, Cheryl Lynn Eaton? Hello, Cheryl.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: Hey, Cheryl Lynn. Um, we started this podcast earlier talking about zombies in the summer and like how much it would like one it'd probably attract zombies if we're just running around all sweaty and gross and just uh. giving off like all this musk. Not fun.
2: I wonder if the zombies would be smart enough. Well, in, in the Marvel universe, yes, but like to know that, like when they hear air conditioning running, Ooh. that means there's humans inside. But if they can, if they know from like clues, like oh, this is where food is, yeah, I'm gonna hang out at like you know Publix or like Pathmark, <laughs> it's like a little like a, a grocery store is basically a mouse trap for you know for humans.
0: The idea of the. Um of the air conditioning is really fascinating to me because a lot of air conditioning circulates the air from inside and pushes it out too. So if zombies could smell, could they like smell the inside and smell the people? Like, is that another, like, is it, would they get attracted to that too? Uh, mm.
2: It depends. Like different writers choose different levels of zombie intelligence. You know, some writers go for like really smart and then some writers just go for like, you know, just like insect level
1: intelligence, just, you know, wandering around. Well, before we get into this, I mean, we're gonna be talking about Marvel Zombies Resurrection. Yes. And one of the things I found too was like, yeah, they were really smart to the point where they were able to like get into Atlantis. That is not like a dumb zombie. Like someone was like, we gotta figure out how we're gonna get underwater and like survive. I think
2: that's what makes Resurrection my favorite and also kind of like the scariest one Mm -hmm. out of all of them is that it wasn't really played for humor that first issue it was kind of terrifying you know because you have this you know all consuming hunger and you also have they still have the intelligence they still know the relationships and that's what makes it really just that's what makes it terrifying and also they're fast
1: which I, you I know hate fast zombies
2: <sighs> that is so scary yeah that is so scary yeah. like i can deal with the like the shambling insect zombie because like you can just like you can literally just like get to an an airport and hop on a plane by the time they like get to you you can outrun them it's whatever it's just a matter it's an inconvenience
1: like that kind of zombie is an inconvenience you know i can deal with that then you add running and it's like i'm not in shape i'm dead like game over
0: (laughs) um yeah I, i i will say that having not read this since it came out, you know, three years ago. Um, I remember it being cool, but now reading it, I was like, oh, this is my favorite mm-hmm. of all the Marvels on. This is like, I, I loved it so, so much. And we'll get into it. But before we do that, Sherilyn, do you, I, I believe, we re- I read that you used to work at a comic shop and, and you have, you know, like, Comics is part of, you know, all your pop culture knowledge and yes. stuff. What was, what's your history with comics? Did you grow up reading? Oh, Did yes. you sort of get into it later? I, I was grew it up reading.
2: Um, and uh, Marvel is actually involved in this. <laughs> in this in a sort of bad way. I grew up reading. I started reading through Archie because like, it, which is like, it seems like 60% of like the comic reading audience either started with Archie or, or Disney, like Donald and Mickey. And, um, I read Archie voraciously. The Double Digest would pick them at Pathmark and then read them. And then I stopped for a while and started reading, you know, like regular books. And I was at my grandmother's, uh, Brownstone in Bed-Stuy and my cousins were like voracious readers and collectors. And I saw this issue of classic X-Men with Storm on the cover. And, um, it was not age appropriate for me because it was the episode where <laughs> it was the issue where they went to hell <laughs> and i was very young and i was terrified and i was like well that's it for comics do do and i stopped reading for years and then when i started again um, later on in my late teens it was another issue with storm on the cover. And I was like, Oh, that looks great. And by then I was much more well-adjusted and it was not a story about hell. So (laughs) I was fine with that. And the second time around, well, technically third time that was the hook. And that's when I really got into superheroes because before that it was always about like slice of life comics, kids, comics, Archie, stuff like that. And, um, from then on, it was just like for a long period of time, it was straight superhero. And then, of course, you know, you, you grow up, you get into, like, the little weirder stuff, but uh, superheroes have always been a love now, and it's just going to be like that forever.
1: <laughs> hey. you're, you're talking about Storm, you're talking about Slice of Life comics, like, where does, where does zombies, like, I guess, fit on your, like... Multiple reasons. Multiple
2: reasons. I chose Marvel Zombies first because, uh, little slip here, I am actually writing a Marvel Zombie story that will be coming out in the future. And I read a ton of, well, I had read Marvel Zombies before, but I had just started reading like a ton of it. And Resurrection um, became my favorite because I am a sucker for the found family trope. Mm -hmm. And you really get that in this um, iteration of Marvel Zombies. So I was like, oh, oh, Spider... Oh, look at Peter. I gotta... (laughs) 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 This is the one I gotta choose. Come on now. Peter is dad? Like, with the dad energy? Come on. But yeah, that's why I wanted to go with um, Resurrection because of the the found family trope that is really kind of... really wonderfully done throughout the series.
0: Heartbreaking. (laughs) Just... So many ways. Uh, We'll get into it. I'm curious, just though, between the two of you, uh, I'll I'll go first. Like, favorite non-Marvel zombie stories, you know, like, whether it's books or, you know, movies, other things. I I always... Shaun of the Dead uh, and, you know, the Romero stuff is always so, so,
2: so good. I
0: I love those so much.
2: I don't know. That's a hard one. Like, you want to say The Walking Dead, but it's like... That sound I sound so pedestrian because everyone loves it, <laughs> but you like that is the one that kind of
1: you know is the one you know that speaks to me the most. I kind yeah. of think because like I also like I'm not the biggest like zombie person, but I guess I'll give you my favorite Marvel zombie uh, book, which is the Secret Wars uh, Battle World tie-in versus like the Age of Ultron bots because. This book does it too, a little bit. Like the whole machine yeah, I flashed like the whole to that. machine versus uh, zombies just trying yeah. to take over the world is like, that is much more fascinating to me than like just humans trying to survive. Cause there's a lot that goes in on the, in between those. And also those books are hilarious.
2: I think it also shows how smart the zombies are in the Marvel universe in that they basically decimated humanity. In other yeah. zombie stories, it takes a while N- not here. No. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a month or two. It's like, well, we've eaten everybody. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> you know? um, so, and that's one thing that makes it um, scary, but also, well, I don't want to say it makes it more realistic because are zombies really realistic? But <laughs> it, it makes more sense that when you have smarter zombies, you have them decimating the human population um, in a much faster amount of time you're not going to have a series that's going to be lasting you know like seven eight nine ten seasons or you know
1: like four years of a you know of a book so also yeah. like the moral like question of like what is humanity like that is posed when like especially in this book too where you see like Frank Castle is like look I had a choice I was either survive and be a zombie or survive and be like part machine like I yeah. just want to survive like which one are you gonna choose and I'm like well, neither of them are like you're. You're dead either way. Like you're. You're. It's, are you still you either way? Like. Well, you know what?
2: I, am I being a Punisher fangirl here by saying I understand? Um, <laughs> but I kind of <laughs> understand because I mean I don't want to give away you know spoilers or anything like that. But um, we'll get there. <laughs> other characters were able to keep their humanity without keeping. The organic. Um, so I think, although you know what is interesting with Punisher is that he was not able to kind of keep that humanity, but <laughs> question does did Punisher have it to begin with? Um, <laughs> 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 you know, so there's levels to this, you know Punisher may not have been uh, how, how much humanity was left for him. Um, but uh, yeah, I, so I understood, I understood that choice and I, I felt kind of bad. At how cold Blade was. No, I loved um, it. In response to it, I'm like, oh man, that's
1: rough. He was like, you smart know? move, dummy. <laughs> yeah. it was so good.
0: But I, there's some agency to yes. Frank's, cho- Frank, there, which I think is, is is the interesting thing. He's like, I can, it, they're, they're two sides of the same coin uh, in a way, though. Cause like the zombies are, you know, they're this hive mind, they're doing this thing and they're destroying everything. Whereas the machines are a hive mind and they're fighting the zombies and they're sort of trying to survive. They're like almost connected in some ways, which I think is a really interesting point there. But Frank is like, I choose this so that I can continue to fight that.
1: Yeah. It also poses the question then if you're like, I don't know, like cause you're immediately confronted with like all the other like characters that we know, like machine man yeah. and vision and all these other like robots. And you're like, then like if, if you're going to like, discount that choice of like you know being taken over by the machine then are you saying that these machines aren't like actual people then like especially like vision who's like a synthetic like being like it gets it gets super into the gray area and like i i found that whole conversation that whole scene just probably my favorite part of this book um Mm -hmm. and the way it ends too is like when they're all together uh and they're kind of like still trying to figure it out um but I want to quickly read out the credits to this before we we continue diving in, but it's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson um, and with art by Leonard Kirk. We have Colors by Guru EFX, who did the first issue in 2019. And then we had Rochelle Rosenberg step in for the last four issues, um, which had a new number one in 2020 because of COVID. And then we have Letters by V.C.'s Travis Lanham and... This is probably the most terrifying. You're right, like, (laughs) Sherilyn. Like, I I have to say, like, I was, like, like, it opens up with all of our heroes, essentially. Like, they they see Galactus is in space and is not moving. And, like, Reed Richards is like, all right, he's not coming here, but, like, we should probably go investigate because we're probably not going to be the only ones investigating this. Like, there's a lot of tech there, and we don't want our enemies to get the tech, and we should go check it out.
0: Before we continue, I will say anybody who hasn't read this series, who's listening, you should read it. It's great, but we're going to get into spoilers because it's hard to talk about the rest of this book without spoiling the crap out of it.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, so like essentially I like this because what we have is we have Captain America, uh, Iron Man, Reed Richards, and Hank McCoy, and they're all kind of calling the shots on like what teams they're going to bring. Like they're like, okay, Captain America's like, we can spare like four Avengers. um, And then like Hank McCoy is like, all right, well, we got, you know, the X-Men are going to join in, and then Fantastic Four are going to be there as well. But, like, it's not everyone, um, which I liked, because it's, like, a select mission. These these folks are going to go out there, see what's going on. And then uh, poor Rhodey, oh, who goodness. goes on this mission, but has to stay in the ship as everyone is going into the Galactus corpse. And he's just like, what's going on, guys? Like, hey, what's what, is everything okay in there? And then meanwhile, like zombified carol danvers is just like destroying he's just wrecking havoc through all of you know
2: now that i think about it and i did i did not think about it when i first read it i wonder if there was a special significance to who cap chose because he chose non-powered heroes and a god oh so like did he know like what was going to happen he's like well i don't want to give them that kind of ammo so maybe i'm safer with going with humans who are not mm. powered you know black panther Rhodey. you know iron man and then you know going with a god because like well how could a zombie infect a god you know
1: i didn't think about that but i did think about the fact that he chose Rhodey to stay behind because carol was like the person who was in there and they have yeah. a connection captain america gives like reasoning for it like he's just like okay i need you to stay here to kind of like you know fly back or at least like you know blow this place to hell if if we need to but also like carol could be dead in there and like i don't want this to get any messier than it needs to it's like maybe you might have a little bit of a higher stake in this game uh so maybe you should stick around you know back here I thought about that, but I liked your, like what you were thinking too. That's like a, I didn't think about it
2: Yeah. And like each of the people that he picked also know what it's like to kind of have to choose between the personal and the official, like a Black Panther obviously has to choose between, you know, his personal life and then also being a king of the nation for having to choose between like his pantheon, the Asgardians and, you know, personal, you know, um, things and Rhodey being a soldier, you know, having to deal with that, that difference, you know, you have made an allegiance to something that is kind of beyond yourself. So all of them kind of, maybe that's the reason why Cap did it is because well, Cap is always like, you know, nine steps ahead of everyone else. So knowing that he's like, I'm going to choose the people that know how to make the hard decisions, no matter what.
1: Meanwhile, Johnny Storm's just
2: flying around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those hard decisions though. I really like that. You got Wolverine and magic in there because they are, yeah. Like, yeah. they're the, those characters that will make those hard decisions, but, also, kudos to Philip Kennedy Johnson because the stuff he does in that first issue comes back around by the end of the series. You know, like the Wolverine of it all, the magic, the like the conversation, like where he's, where Wolverine's like, "I got your back," and and she's like, "You got my back." Blah 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 blah. But then, like, how their circle closes by the end is a really not, like a, I don't want to say sweet thing because it's not sweet, but it's 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 a a really great way to bring that back to hit that they have relationship and, and Logan has a relationship with her brother. And like all those little moments, I think is really strong character building. It's sort of what he does really well in that first issue, bringing disparate groups of characters together, but making them gel. And like, you can almost hear like if the, if, if we were watching a movie or a show or like it was a video game, you could shift the camera over here and you hear this conversation. You feel like it's a very lived in group that I I wanted to be with more, but then they get eaten. yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, also like wolverine is like like he's sniffing around he's like i recognize the smell and that comes around yeah. too because it's like yeah. he, he doesn't answer it in the first issue but when, no. we, when we learn where these zombies come from and like that they're connected to the yeah. brood and like they're just like an evolved version of it i was like whoa like that is like very clever signposting yeah. it's so
0: good and it's like sometimes we as readers or as fans Need to be reminded. We don't need instant gratification. We don't yes, need the yeah. answer within the first issue. We don't need the answer within the first like twenty five percent of the story. We need the answer. It's important to have that and and to get what is going on. But that payoff makes it feel so much stronger and like really ties it together. Especially if you're a Marvel comics fan and know these characters and these histories. I was just like, kudos to you because I had forgotten it. Yeah.
1: See. Or like even, I mean, there's so many mysteries that Philip Kennedy Johnson kind of like throws at us as readers throughout this book. Like, you know, right away in issue two, we get like a mystery because like issue two takes place like years, like I think five years, maybe more after the fact that this has happened. Because the aliens or the zombies come back to Earth and they essentially just wipe everyone out. Um, And by the time we get to issue two, it's like this like post-apocalyptic world where we have very... Little heroes that are still but, out there.
2: I was gonna say that the wild thing about it is that um, issue one is terrifying. Let, let's just put it out there. Issue one is terrifying, and then you switch to issue two, and it's kind of like this almost like hope punk, where you're just like you, you shouldn't feel this hopeful and this nice about like <laughs> the apocalypse, but like you see that they they built this family together, and it, it's kind of sweet, you know, and you feel kind of like you um you kind of get behind. Val, where you're just like, you know, maybe she can pull it off, you know, maybe she can, you know, you, you, you kind of feel that hope, um, her hope in the beginning, although at, as you get to later issues, um, she kind of works her way through finding a different way and a different future. But, um, I liked that. And I also liked, um, the fact that, um, he picks up so much on, uh, family issues. Like like I said, there's a found family trope, but then there's also like sins of the father, and uh Val has a tendency to kind of pick up Reed's tendency to just hone in
1: on like the mission, yeah, you know, the mission. There's always an answer right. Like... and
2: um, I think she is able to break out of that in a way that her father was not. Um, mm-hmm. and uh it's bittersweet, but it, it's it's nice to see that she's able to say, no, family is more important than having the answer.
1: Yeah. And you're talking about found family. I want to quickly just establish like who we're talking about here, because we're talking about, (laughs) no, no, you're you're fine. Uh, But you're talking about Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And he essentially makes a promise to the Fantastic Four that he's going to take care of Franklin and Val Richards. Um, And you also have Moonstone, which was like a wild, Pull, and I was here for it because I think Moonstone is great uh, and then like you you we later add Blade into the mix but then also a like reprogrammed Sentinel I love that uh, that is like a nanny and I has,
0: love Nana so Nana. much
1: she's great and like again it, it pulls at this like what is humanity question because like you know even I mean we later find out that Franklin has a secret and that's one of the mysteries that are like kind of hinted at throughout this but like Right away, it's like why are we? Why do we care about this thing? Like Val calls it an "it" instead of like her, and like people like bite back at her, and it's like, how dare you? She's family, Um, and I love that.
0: Speaking of how dare you, how dare you, Jasmine? Forget Forge.
1: Oh yeah, Forge is there too.
0: (sighs) Forge just having like trying his best to keep everything together. He's making weapons using like body parts from dead friends. Yeah, because that's what you gotta do in the in the. Apocalypse. Uh, you
2: know, as like a former Storm fangirl, I you, mm, I try not to hold grudges against Forge. <laughs>
1: See, that's that's where my like that's oh, I where my resentment for Forge
2: It's hard because she's like, Well, Forge, you know, he's he's used to kind of experimenting on the people that he cares about. So
1: Do you think do you think that like he has all the X-Men? Like, you know, when you go get your driver's license and you fill out the form and it's like, Do you want to be a donor, like an organ donor? Do you think he goes around like the X Men and he's like, Hey, like once you die, can I like take your head oh, he or probably like, does. use your fingers sure or make like, weapons out of them? Like, sign here. I'm sure he does. I think Beast would do that too.
2: Actually, Beast wouldn't ask. He'd oh, yeah. just be like, "Well, no, Beast wouldn't ask.
1: He would just be like, well no beast would not ask he would just be like Wait, is anybody gonna? Is anybody gonna? If they're not using it. Yeah, like, if we're
2: not doing cremation, I I might it? as well, you know.'" Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes.
0: I look as much as I love Forge, I will never forgive him for life, death, and those terrible stories. boyfriend. And just a,
2: a good yes. X Man, terrible boyfriend, which a lot of X Men can fit that category. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that should be our motto for all the experts yeah. um yeah uh that i i do want to give some flowers to leonard kirk as we go through this because especially that first issue you know sherilyn you were mentioning how so it's so good at horror and like so much of that is leonard doing the work to get gross to give us those heartbreaking moments the frenetic frantic Everything is completely horrible immediately moment when things start to go wrong. You get these close-ups of eyes and faces now, on top of all the gore, but like when you hone in on Ben Grimm's eyes and like like the the changes that are happening, it's so good. It's so good.
2: Yeah. And also the lettering too, like that repetition yes. of the come and see and how it's, it's mm-hmm. like, it gets creepier over time. It's just like, oh, oh, oh. It, I guess, you know, comics is like a beautiful soup and it takes every single element to make something terrifying, which they did a great job
1: (laughs) of doing. I, the repetition of it all was really, was really fascinating to me because like there's, there's that. And there's also like the, the whole eighth pillar thing. And it's never quite explained until the last issue. And when we, when we find out that these zombies are after Franklin Richards for a reason. Like, it's not just because like they want more bodies. It's like, you are the most powerful being on this, in this universe in this part. Like, cause they, they even talk about being able to travel the multiverse, which is just horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but like they, they're like, this is the most powerful being here. And we've taken all these other ones. Like we've gotten Galactus, we've gotten Silver Surfer. Like we, we own these like cosmic powers, but Franklin Richards is the most valuable to us. And they get to him and they realize that he's no longer human it is really heartbreaking because like he doesn't even know that he's not human anymore because what we what we learn is like during the last moments when peter was trying to protect them he failed like essentially like he gets bit by his own mother um and he is taken, you know, to shelter like his corpse before he changes, and like he and Forge and Warlock, not Forge, him and Warlock and Doctor Strange help essentially build this other synthetic body for him, and then transport his like being or his like his essence, essence yeah. his soul yeah. into this this machine, and like poor kid doesn't doesn't know why he's not aging, doesn't know why his hair is no longer black, is blonde, and everyone else knows. And it's just like, that is.
2: I see. They should have just told
1: him. The
2: the way I see it is it it feels like he's the best. It it feels like he's the best of both worlds being techno organic, you know? And he's like, he's basically the future of that world, you know, and that he's a blend of both. And he is just like the ultimate symbol of all of these different groups living in harmony because he's a little bit of, well, he's not a little bit of zombie, but he, he's a little bit of everything else That that yeah. is allowing, you know, that um, that variation. I think that's also uh, kind of what makes the zombies good villains compared to, because a lot of people are like, well, what's the difference between the zombies and the robots, you know, or right. the tech? Um, and the difference is that the tech allows for variation, um, and the zombies don't, you know. Right. Um, there's levels to it, you know. You have people who are at the the Punisher level. You have characters like Viv, you know. You have characters like Franklin. Um, so you see that variation, and it's okay with them. Um, but with the zombies or with the Brood, I guess quote unquote, it's there's it's one way, and that's it. There's no yeah. like different way
1: to be. Um, in that hive mind. I like that you mentioned that. Cause something just clicked in my head. Because uh, like usually when we get zombie stories, the like the through line is always like, oh, we got we have survivors, and it's not just trying to stay like alive, but also like, oh, one of the members is the cure or like didn't didn't turn. Like maybe we if we bring them to scientists, like like that's our hope. Yeah. And like this is the opposite. Like like this is someone who has turned, but like is giving us hope in another direction. Right. And, like that's really cool. It's a it's an interesting play on. I don't know if that's what they meant intentionally, but it is like a cool play on that. Trip.
2: And I think that's kind of it is a cool play, but I think it's also the way it needs to be, because I think with zombie stories, um, everyone is so hopeful and everyone wants to turn back the clock. And you can't. It's almost like with the the pandemic that it's like you have it. And now this is the new normal, you know, and um I think for this, uh, for Resurrection, what was so important that everyone kind of accepted that this is the new normal. How do we make this the best and brightest world that we can with what we have instead of fighting so much to make things the way they were? Because it's not possible to make things the way they were,
1: you know? Right. I have a question for both of you. Yes. Mm. What Marvel hero, villain, whoever do you think is the most terrifying as a zombie? Because I have my answer, and like it was, it was in this book, oh. and I like was like, oh no, that would be absolutely horrifying.
2: Multiple
0: man. I was thinking multiple Ooh, man because like line. if you push him away, oh. then there's two
1: of them. Oh no, I didn't think about that. That's horrifying. Yeah.
0: I was thinking the exact
1: same thing, Cheryl. Oh, oh. like that's so scary i don't like that mine mine has to might have to change because mine's nightcrawler like the fact that he can just teleport around that scene in this book was Mm -hmm. chilling like i was just like you don't know where he is like if you like you can't run into a building like in like there's nothing you can do like you're never gonna be able to escape uh nightcrawler although i I still think he i mean he's not as good a tracker
2: as wolverine but i still think he'd be able to I, i don't know
1: well, we'll see. I but know. yeah, multiple man. Look, we were talking about outrunning fast zombies. That is the fastest zombie. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Good luck.
0: A quicksilver, just bite run, bite, run, bite, run, bite, run, bite, run, bite, run, bite. Run. Oof, that would be really bad. Oh, oh my god. Man. No.
1: The wasp or ant man oh. shrinking down and like eating you from the inside. How what is that? a million mosquito
2: bites and you would never know. Yeah. oh and you have no idea why you oh. turn. Like you think you're in perfect, like the perfect hiding spot. You know, you're like in CVS. Yeah. You're just you like, know, just like
1: <laughs> ah. what was that? Garden, you know, oh. like,
2: and you're like in the pharmacy and like all of a sudden it's just like this little bite and you don't even notice the bite. That's how small they can get. And you're just, you just turn for no reason to t- 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 you,
1: you know? I don't like that. That scares me even more. Invisible woman too
0: visible woman but like i like that she's the focus for the ff family and not reed like she's Same. like they're they're like um spokesperson for the zombies it's uh it's so horrifying <laughs> it's so good there's a great moment where blade is petting chewy we forgot to mention yeah. chewy as part of the crew yeah.
1: i forgot about chewy it's right
0: i know so good Ugh. My daughter calls my mother Nana. So like all the stuff with Nana, like I was oh. reading it and there's this like wonderful connection. And then there's the moment where Nana is like, they're in the giant battle and it's huge final story. And then she's like, I'm so proud of you both, you know, and she, throw, she rockets the kids away. I got a little teary eyed for a freaking robot. It was great. It was a pretty cool device
2: too. And can you override your programming? I guess. You know, and that, mm-hmm. not just with, uh, you know, Nana, but with also with Vib as well,
1: you know? And the zombies. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that, that Val was trying to question. Like, she was just like, no, like, remember who you are. Like, same with Bishop and Beast. Like, I know you. We're friends. Like, you're smarter than this. Like, you can, you should be able to do it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ugh. <sighs> yeah. There's lots of great stuff. Now, we, we mentioned there's some spoilers. The idea that. When you get to the sort of the source of everything and you figure out like what the zombies are and how I was like, that's so brilliant. Why so brilliant. did I, one, forget that, two, how has that know. never been done
1: before? I forgot about that, too. And it was just like, it's simple, but also like, I don't know. It, like you said, like, I'm shocked no one else has done that before. There's decades
2: of lore. yeah you know, for all of these groups. I mean, like, just for the X-Men alone, it's ridiculous. Um, But then you add, like, the Fantastic Four and and the Avengers into it. And there's so much untapped stuff. And every moment is someone's favorite, you know? And that was just probably the brood was his favorite moment to tap into. And um, I think that's what I love about about superheroes, about Marvel, um, is that the more people you get, The more callbacks, like interesting callbacks that you wouldn't even think of that just kind of just like completely flew over your head will pop up. And you're just like, oh, because that moment meant something really special to that person, you know, whereas another person, they would gravitate towards something different, you know, and all these like tiny little series like that. Like for me, like I love the Daughters of the Dragon and it's like this almost like a niche little corner of the Marvel universe to me. And like, you're talking to Dakota North's biggest fan. So I get it. Okay. So you you know what it's like to, to, to love the, uh, the niche and the street level dudes. Yes.
0: Uh, look, someday maybe both of your wishes will be fulfilled, like mine has, with Modok being in a, like a movie, an animated series, multiple comics, a video game. <laughs> maybe we'll get wow. the daughters of the but dragon. You to, you maybe brag. Dakota North will get her time to shine. We
1: too. got we got both Misty Knight and Colleen Wing in TV shows. It's true. That's true. True.
0: Yeah. The 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 big reveal that the Brood have infected Galactus became the cosmic hunger and like spread throughout and. I, I like that the story is so contained, but they're like Silver Surfer. He's like, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, We've destroyed <laughs> galaxies. Yeah, We wanted you guys, cause it would like make it easier. But like, just you wait. And there's that one shot right at the end where you see this flare of like, where's the queen? Mm-hmm, just the leaving that queen. on the table is so cool.
2: Now what's interesting though, is that um, there's a little bit of a, a callback to, to Reed and to Tony of building things that kind of outgrow you and take over and become uh, a dangerous thing that you had not planned on doing. And I think that's kind of what happened to the brood because it's like, it's like oh, it's the brood. And we're like, they're like, oh, no, we're so far beyond that. You know, like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's like, we have evolved. We're, we've gone to another level. So it's kind of just like, you wonder how the original brood kind of, were they wiped out? What happened to them to have this? It's kind of kind of like with Klingons, where you're just like, <laughs> what happened to the old version? And you have to wonder, like, um, basically these are the children of the brood. Did they destroy yeah. their parents? You know? Mm.
1: Scary. This was, this was so much fun. Um, oh, thank you guys for having me. Well, thank, thank you, you for do. joining us. Thank you.
0: Big thank you once again to Cheryl Lynn Eaton for coming on the show. Um, now I got to go to Pathmark and do some grocery shopping. This episode of Marvel's Pulis was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada.
1: Brad Barton is Pulse Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pollist at marble.com. You can also use the hashtag on Instagram and Twitter. It's hashtag marblespolist or hashtag okay to read Marvel's pull List. Uh, also, make sure to rate and subscribe. Give it those five stars. Uh, five stars if you don't want a zombie to break into your building and leave.
0: For more information on full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash quote rules. Terms and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's pull list quote of the week. And I will say next week's going to be a weird one for a number of reasons. Stick around. We'll be back. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel.
1: Your universe.